Well, let me tell you this much. We have a lot of ground to cover on this episode of the program. And and in case you're wondering about the music in the background that sounds so familiar, like it wasn't Christmas two weeks ago. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman. And welcome to the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And you'd be right. We Three Kings of Orion R is what you're hearing kind of in the background right now. And it's because... Well, a lot of people confuse some of the Christmas story. We, we've kind of compressed it into a day where everything that really happened over potentially two years is crammed into a day. It is most likely the shepherds saw Jesus the night of his birth, but the wise men that came from the east could have been months, even up to two years later. And so this season right after Christmas, the 12 days of Christmas, I might add, is known as Epiphany. And a lot of things are remembered at Epiphany. Number one, like I say, the wise men showing up to Bethlehem, Joseph, Mary, and the babe heading off to Egypt, and a lot more. And Epiphany the whole idea is the manifestation of Jesus to the world. Remember, he came quietly and humbly that night. And so we remember that at Epiphany. A matter of fact, the reading that is normally assigned in, in many churches for Epiphany revolves around the wise men showing up. Epiphany also has a special place in my heart, January 6th. And see, I don't celebrate January 6th as the insurrection or some such nonsense as that. There are a couple of things about January 6th that are very important to me. Number one, it is the epiphany of our Lord. It is the fact that we have our Savior, the Messiah, with us. God be with us. And also, it brings back a memory for me... And I'm having a hard time realizing it has been 27 years. 27 years have gone by since I was ordained to the ministry on January 6th. And so there's, I always think about it and, and the story, and I can remember the day quite well. And I've looked over the years. My ministry has been very different, kind of unique at times. Oh, yeah, there were times that I was a, quote, regular church pastor, and, and I I just thank God for the growth and the, the, the remarkable things that I saw in my ministry. I've watched churches grow from nothing to large, having nothing to a building, land, all that goes with it. And sadly, over the years, I've seen churches that at one time were big, one time were viable, one time were meeting the needs of a community and making a change in their community, getting old, dead and dying. There's so much delusion out there, even within the church world. And I want to talk a little bit about it and, and some other stories out there. Matter of fact, why don't we start with some of the, quote, other stories out there, just to give you an idea of what we are up against. And these are things that we were not up against 27 years ago. Um, let's be honest. 27 years ago, 
I cannot imagine a middle school teacher, back in my day we called it junior high. wonder why they changed the name. Doesn't matter. And there is a middle school teacher in Pennsylvania. Now, I don't know exactly which town. I've got part of the story in front of me here that came out uh, the other day. And, and she is showing off on her TikTok account. Now, I don't use TikTok, but other people do, so I get they send me the pictures anyway. Has an assignment where she has her students. And remember, middle school, junior high, generally speaking, is like the 7th and 8th grade. In some cases, maybe 6th, 7th, and 8th. It varies a little bit from place to place. But when you're in the eighth grade, and if you started school in the first grade, around age five or six, and you add up to eight to that, you know, you're basically 12, 13. And you're not even in high school yet. You you are in that transitional process from being a young child, puberty in many cases, heading toward the beginnings of adulthood and your teen years. And this teacher is bragging, having her students pledge to attend things like pride parades, you know, the gay pride parades. And they need to become activists. These her her students need to become activists for the LGBTQ plus community. And she has all of this stuff. And I'm looking at a picture of one of the assignments. I don't, you don't see the child's name, but and it says choose one word below and circle it. And 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 the words are visibility. Pride, activism, inclusivity. These are the words you that are important. And which one of those four words is even more important to you? And what do you think when you see the word? And what can we do to embody this word for the LGBTQIA plus community? And then draw a picture representing this word. And, you know, that here's couple of things that are I'm finding very disturbing. Number one, this is supposedly like a seventh or eighth grade student, okay? In a public school in the state of Pennsylvania, the Keystone State. And obviously we don't write in cursive anymore. Everything is print. And, you know, and look, I've got arthritis in my hands, you know, from the many, many years that I use tools and engineering. And, you know, so I, I I run out of gas pretty quick when I'm writing. It, it's not that neat. But I can look back at things that I wrote when I was in the seventh and eighth grade and when I first was working and into my 30s and even my 40s. And I could do both cursive and printing just fine. The the handwriting is like looks more like third grade, not not seventh or eighth. And the picture looks even worse. It looks like second or third grade. It's got rainbows and people holding little signs. 
and, and, and talking about pronouns are important, LGBTQIA+, all that stuff. Now, now, here's my question to the public school administrators, public school teachers, state legislatures, the Department of Education here in the United States, and the same being true in places like Canada and the UK. What does all of this activism to young, impressionable children that are still, that are still processing the world around them, this is not an education. This is indoctrination. And this is, in, this is indoctrination into what I consider a cause that many parents may not be a part of or want to be a part of. I know as a Christian, if I knew that I had, if, if, if I was, if I had children in school today, they wouldn't be in that school. And that teacher and that school board would know why. It's none of their business to be pushing this agenda on children. This is a, an agenda that has nothing to do with mathematics, history, science. They teach a lot of junk science today, too, about climate change and all the climate fraud. You have kids that are scared to death in elementary school that we're going to destroy the planet before they graduate high school. And I've been hearing that for over 50 years. Hadn't happened yet. We've managed in this nation of the United States. It's been done in Europe. It's being done everywhere. You know, I don't remember winters. And they were cold. I can tell you that in upstate New York. I don't remember the power going off. I don't remember rolling blackouts. I don't remember any of that stuff. Somehow we survived. But today, with all of our technology... In places like Californication, California, I know not everybody there in California is is been destroyed by by wokeism. I know there are a lot of good people there, but Hollywood and your government has been has been co opted. The bigger cities like Los Angeles, San Francisco, Sacramento. And all of Silicon Valley has been co-opted and has been taken over by what I consider satanic forces. They push everything from abortion to LGBTQ, climate change, rolling blackouts. We don't prevent our fires. We just wait till they come and blame climate change. This is the stupidity. Gavin Newsom is a dangerous, evil individual to the core. To the core. He's also a liar and a reprobate and a wannabe dictator. I think that's enough. And they keep putting him in office. You know, and rules for thee, but never for me. I can go off to these expensive restaurants, maskless, and anything I want to do, but you can't. Your business has got to be shut down. The duplicity, yet the delusion that has gone across the West Coast of the United States, Washington State, Oregon, California, even into many of the other southwestern states that used to at least have a modicum of sanity is scary. And so what is 
this is by the way that teacher got rid of her account she deleted her account i think yesterday i'm looking here trying to find uh, the story i've got a bunch of paperwork in front of me here it says secondary uh, ela teacher theatrical teaching artist and equality inclusion advocate uh has gotten rid of her account her users no longer found Miss Heidi F. She didn't have her full last name. And if you look at her picture, what what was there at one time, I mean, you, there's some screenshots. You know, just because just you think you deleted an account doesn't mean that the Internet world has not already screenshotted shot it. And I'm looking at this, and, and it's got all the rainbows, and, and it's got all the the care it's got all the the stuff that you know is you're supposed to be all into today and of course her pronouns she her and hers and this whole thing about pronouns you know i'm telling you and i don't this this world is is heading in a very dangerous direction and it's not getting any better anytime soon. Saw another, st- I, I've got other stories here. Uh, here's one, and let me see, where did this one come from? Uh, there is now the idea from an organization called GLSEN, which is the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network. And, and their newest thing now, and th- this is what they consider critical to them, We need some more holidays to promote transgenderism. Let me run that again. We need more holidays to promote transgenderism. And what they've already been pushing for on the calendar, uh, February the 19th through the 25th of this year, the 2023, should be Aromatic Awareness Week. Well, that's, yeah, I'm not aware of what it is. I have no idea of what it is. And then March 1st, Zero Discrimination Day. Then the 24th, the 20th of March to the 24th, that's a whole week at school, five days. You know, who cares about mathematics? Who cares about reading or any of it we need to have lgbt health awareness week this is in the schools and i'm assuming elementary schools too march the 31st international transgender day of visibility aren't they visible the way they the whole year then we need on the on the 26th Lesbian Visibility Day, May 17th, International Day Against Homophobia, Transphobia, and Biphobia. And then here's a new one. On the 19th of May, A Gender Pride Day. Then we need Pansexual and Panoramic Awareness. And we need Non-Binary People's Day, International Drag Day or Drag Queen Day. Asexual Awareness Week, Transparent Day. I mean, 
it's like every month there's going to be two holidays celebrating <laughs> celebrating weirdness deviancy what a world they better i mean pansexual and panoramic pride day need to have that in december intersex day of remembrance it's like i say one two three four you've got like two or three of these special holidays per month all year these are the things they consider important and the worst part is the woke fools that are running much of our public education, some of the sickest reprobate people on the planet, will think it's a great idea. The United States military at one time was a pretty decent organization. I mean, to get their act together like they did for the Second World War. We can discuss whether we should have been there or not, what we knew, what we didn't. Those are discussions for another day. But we've always been generally up to the challenge. Though, if the truth be known, we haven't won a war since World War II. I don't know if you knew that or not. We didn't win Korea. That's a stalemate. Vietnam, you know that story. We really haven't won a war. We abandoned Afghanistan. But we had people, and and, and the reason that we had all these failures after World War II, maybe not so, Korea is a little different. I think we had had enough war on two fronts in the 1940s and the stomach to be in a war in Korea, if we could at least stalemate it was better than nothing and also not having to engage with China at that point which could have pushed us into an engagement with Russia at that time under the Soviet Union Russia not the Russia of today there is a difference a lot of people don't want to acknowledge it but trust me there is but Vietnam and all that has come since then Afghanistan the Middle East what we did in Iraq while we have a powerful military force and we had some excellent soldiers that that joined for all the right reasons, we've had leadership that has been falling short for many, many decades. And the leadership that I... And then, of course, you had another issue, too. And I, I didn't plan to get off on this little rabbit hole. I'm just going to do it for a moment. What Eisenhower said as he left office in 1961 before John F. Kennedy took over, he had a warning in his last speech to the American people, beware the military-industrial complex. They will always be stirring up war and activity worldwide to keep themselves in business in making armaments. And looking back over the years, he was right. He was very much right. And so we get into these engagements, spend, you know, billions of dollars. Billions of dollars are being spent in Ukraine, for example. And where's the money going? If it's not going into cryptocurrency, FTX, 
It's going back to the suppliers of arms. They're making lots of money. Kind of reminds you of the money the vaccine makers are getting these days. All government money. They don't want to give it up because they love the money. We'll talk about that some other day. But, I mean, just be aware. that. And even when you go into uh, after 9-11, there are a lot of opinions of what really happened. I'm not going to get into that. And what did Iraq have to do with 9-11? Nobody has ever been able to fully explain that. And we're beginning to find out that a lot of the reasons for getting in there and everywhere else were were not honest. But a lot of people, including some phony conservatives, made a lot of money. When people like Liz Cheney say, well, you know, if, if anybody like Trump ever became on the ticket in 2024, I'll, 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 I'll support Democrats. I'll campaign for them. She already did. Which means she's a reprobate. Her party, to be a real member of the Democrat Party in the United States, you have to completely embrace abortion on demand all the way to, in some cases, even after birth to decide if I really want the child or not. You have to believe in the LGBTQ agenda or else. You have to adopt all of these things that are an abomination unto an almighty God. You have to curse God in his face to be a Democrat these days. Oh, you can claim to be, you know, a good little Episcopalian Lutheran or whatever, social justice warrior. If you don't believe me on that one, I got a story just here in a moment that'll remind you of the state of the dying, dead, decaying, rotting church across the world. These reprobates are opportunist for money and power and position. And they really don't care about you. They only care about themselves. And then you have this agenda. Let me, let me tell you something that I, I figured out a number of years ago. The forces of hell and evil are vastly better organized, for the most part, than those that oppose it. They, evil inherently, evil inherently, will wait generations to get their job done. And people know that they have their part in it and they know they may never see it in their lifetime even though they believe their lifetime is just the end of the end. They don't believe in a God. They don't believe in an afterlife for the most part. Some do. Some believe that somehow that you know, all, all happy spirits gather somewhere. There's nothing worse than seeing somebody you know that's an atheist who's passed away and everybody says happy anniversary in heaven a year later. And you know in your heart that can't be possible. We are in a time that I believe is completely unprecedented. And a lot of it has to do with our technology and speed of technology more than anything else. A little later in the program, I'll mention a couple of other things. We must recognize 
that Satan is real. You know, I'm looking at this picture. There's a person out there, and this is scary. Satan is real. The fall of man is real. Sin is real. Deception is real. And we, we try to pretend that, oh, yeah, that's just a little fringe group over there. There are Christians out there claiming, well, people claiming to be Christians, yet they deny God, his truth, and what the word of God clearly teaches. And the Bible, which always warns how easy it is to be deceived and how active the devil is, and organized, I might add, and how we need to be on guard, they're not. Oh, they got their Christianity in a box. So they go to some big mega church with all the music and the, and the rock band, which I saw an article, too, that, that it hit me. Why do so many of these pastors look like a bunch of metrosexual, you know, perverts? They look, they look like circus clowns. And I say that for a reason. Charles Spurgeon in the 1800s, a preacher among preachers, once said the day is going to come that instead of pastors being shepherds of the sheep, they're going to be clowns entertaining the goats. Some of these formerly contemporary Christian artists, Amy Grant, hosting a gay wedding. No problem. You can see how deep her faith ran. And so I'm looking at this story. Church of England. Church of England. Now, understand the Episcopal Church in the United States and Church of Canada. They're all derivatives of the Anglican Church. And and once again, I gotta, I, I'm going to have to clarify this. There are lots of different Anglicans in this world. There are... Those like the Church of England, the Episcopal Church, Church of Canada, and a few others, Church of Australia, that are woke, broke, intellectually bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt, dead, rotting corpses, little pastorettes talking about LGBTQ and all this nonsense, and they don't talk about sin anymore. Instead, they they invite you to come in and celebrate your sin with us. We want to know more about it. The same can be said for many Presbyterians and Lutherans. You know it and I know it. Bunch of old hippies going to church and they're dying out. Churches that used to seat hundreds of people seating a, you know, a few dozen, or if that. And a bunch of gray-haired people that are social justice warriors. The book of Revelation makes it clear. The lampstand, the Holy Spirit left that place. It is a dead, dying corpse of a church that needs to just be shut down. It is no longer a church. And so you got this guy who's age 36. His name is Bingo Allison. What a name. That's the name he goes by now. And he's a vicar in the Church of England. And he decided he had a moment of revelation a while back. Remember, he was married, has three children, and realized that I prefer the pronouns they and them. It was an epiphany. I hate to use that term here as we celebrate the epiphany. When reading uh, something in the book of Genesis. And so the vicar who works in Liverpool came to terms 
with what he calls their gender identity because he's multiple gender, he's non-binary, whatever. And so he embraces this change and transformation. Just because you're created one way doesn't mean that you can't live another. And Bingo said, what her name, their wife, notice not his wife, their wife, because remember, he's plural now. Plural. You know, get with the program, folks. You know, we have some of the, you know, they and them and we and us are are now preferred pronouns too. Reminds me of Jesus confronting the madman who had been possessed by demons. And when Jesus approached the man and said, to, and, and inquired of the name of the demon, what is your name? And the demon said, Legion, for we are many. I really believe this guy is possessed by multiple demons. It is insanity. And this guy is still, still, quote, a pastor. He's a pastor, and he's mocking Christianity. He, he's all worrying about straight, cisgender, able-bodied, neurotypical men and explaining that, that, that he goes on and on with his passion for weirdness. He previously had trained to become a priest in Durham, according to the Church of England. And the church was open for him coming out. And there he is. And so this is what the Church of England permits. The Episcopal Church embraces it. So does the Church of Canada. Many Lutherans, especially overseas, they're, you get into Norway and they're, they're just flat out weird. I have to take a break and I need to finish this discussion and and it wasn't really where I was planning on going today but it just seems where it's going to go this is truth to ponder and we could definitely use your help in staying on shortwave radio and radio in general I'd love to see it expand this year now next week I have my second surgery, and there'll be a couple of guest host programs next week. We should be back on the radio uh, Thursday or Friday. We'll be around Monday, and I, I'm, I'm, I have those that are helping me and putting things together for Tuesday and Wednesday and perhaps Thursday. So keep me in your prayers. As many of you know, I have bladder cancer, but thankfully it was caught early, so the prognosis is very good. And I'll be glad to get all this behind me. Believe me, there's so much to be done, and I'll share some of that in the next segment. But if you can help us to stay on the radio, would you consider making a check payable to Ancient Word Radio? Ancient Word Radio. And the mailing address is Post Office Box 510. That's Post Office Box 510. And the city is Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E. 
Chilhowie, Virginia, and the zip code is 24319. That's 24319. 24319. And, and if you can help us, um, just, just write that check, money order, whatever it can be, and pray for us. That would mean more than anything at this time. God is opening some wonderful doors, and I, I don't want to see these opportunities missed. So pray for me. Pray for the direction. And, and pray for God's people in this weird time that is coming. How do we stay drawn together to do His work? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The Tree of Life in disguise. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. The tree of life was sealed up from the side of man. It could never be partaken of again. It was blocked. So what happened to the tree of life? It disappeared. But it's not gone. It's in our midst. It's come back to us in disguise. It comes to us in the form of a tree, but a tree of death. It comes to us in disguise, the tree of life in disguise as the cross. See, the cross looks like a tree of death, but it's really the tree of life. It starts out looking like the tree of good and evil, but it ends up being the tree of life. When you go to it, you start out being real aware of good and evil and sin and guilt. You bring it there and it looks like death, but you come out with life, with grace, with a new beginning, with freedom. When you partake of it, it seems like you're partaking of death. You take up your cross, dying to self, surrendering, giving up the old, bearing your cross, but it's really not a tree of death. It's the tree of life in disguise. When you partake of the cross, you're partaking of the fruit of the tree of life, true life, everlasting life, blessing, joy. Cross seems tough and it seems hard at first to give up your life, to love your enemy, to forgive, to sacrifice yourself, to yield up. But when you partake of it, it ends up bringing life, the fruit of the tree of life. When you give up, you gain, you surrender, you win, you lose, you find, you die to self, you come alive, your tears are turned to joy, your sorrows to rejoicing. Don't be fooled. The cross only looks hard, but every time you partake of it, it's going to bear you fruit upon fruit upon fruit, love and joy and peace and faithfulness, gentleness and goodness, for the cross is none other than the tree of life in disguise. Want more? Ask for The Tree on CD. Now, imagine being plugged into a special line let you in on future events, news behind the news, prophecy, updates on Israel, what you need to know as an end-time believer, plus teachings and strength for every day of your week, and the incredible mystery of the temple doors, all free. How do you get all this? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1 to receive your free gifts. You will be blessed, but call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite you to join me to reach the unreached peoples of the world in the most incredible way from Moscow to Madagascar even to Jerusalem. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. This is the way you can actually imagine blanketing the earth through shortwave radio, the farthest way you can impact the world for the gospel. Amazing. Just be part 1-800-YESHUA-1 or write me direct. Here's how. It's right to the nice Jewish boy box 1111 Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey 07644. It's the nice Jewish boy box 1111 Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying Shalom Aleichem. Peace for you, my friend. Come to the tree of life in the cross in Messiah Roehatov, the Good Shepherd.
This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I welcome you back to part two of our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Now, I'd actually plan on having a guest today, but the way things were working out and trying to get these programs done a little bit of a little bit ahead, couldn't quite work it out. But it's funny, as I, as I look at some of the news stories that are in front of me and, and just trying to share this stuff, I mean, it's easy to ignore the weirdness and some of the weird news stories that are out there. There are times that, and I've done this a few times, my wife and I, and we'll look at the TV and the news and we just have to turn it off. Uh, we just can't keep going any longer with some of the stuff that's out there. Phony politics. You know, you have what I call the uniparty oftentimes, and it's showing up right now. Uh, where, you know, we you got the loyal opposition and you got the well-organized party that seeks to... Well, let's. I'm going to be honest, and I, I didn't want to get into politics, but let's be honest. A political party that pushes abortion, climate fraud... Uh, wanting to have your children understand LGBTQ and forcing that down your throat, mocking God, laughing at him, in, in fact, booing him, wanting to run the education system at the public level. Look at the stuff they've done to universities and colleges. Uh, there's stories about new terms. At San- Sanford University used to be a pretty decent school. It's gone can I just say it? It's gone crazy. It's the, those in leadership. It is like the reprobate mind. It is like those that are ill in the head are now in charge. And just like in the Church of England story I was sharing before we went to the break. And, you know, bingo, that's his name. Or what he calls himself now, you know, Bingo, vicar of a church, give me a break. And and he's got plural pronouns. He's a we and they. And so this is what leads our church. I mentioned also, you know, something that I'm noticing and other people have noticed it too. And I'm just going to come out and say it. I may get thrown off the radio somewhere for saying this, but some of these worship leaders in some of these mega churches, they parade around rather, uh, well, indecently. I'm trying to find a nice word. Provocatively. And some of them kind of come off as gay. Sorry, but they do. Of course, we find out over the years some of them actually are, and they do come out. And some are now quietly promoting, you know, from maleness to femaleness, you know, opposed to men and women. And they, and there was, there's some mega churches doing some weird stuff of late. You know, I, I could understand the, the mega church movement 20 years ago. 25 years ago, contemporary services, I I kind of understood it. 
And and basically in the 80s in particular, when a lot of the newer and even the 70s and into the early 90s, some of the new music that came out wasn't bad. Um, I, I will tell you that my preference musically is more traditional, especially when it comes to the lyrics in that music. You know, I remember watching a video a while back. I may share it in a minute if I can get my hands on it. The In the early days of some of the contemporary music, the music was still Christ-centered, God-honoring, and really didn't talk too much about me and my feelings and the things that I want. There was some substance in some of the earlier contemporary Christian music. Our God is an awesome God who reigns in heaven above. There was a powerful context that dealt with our our sin, our forgiveness, and being made righteous in him. And so I had no problem with it. I can remember being at a place called Love Inn. Boy, I'm dating myself now. It is. It was in the southern tier of New York, not far from Ithaca. And we're talking, what, 1971 maybe, somewhere in there. Had a chance to go down there. And a guy by the name of Scott Ross who did a, a radio program designed to go on top 40 secular radio stations but could use that platform to give a gospel message to reach young people for Christ. Not an easy task. But he did pretty good at it for many, many years. And there on this piece of property that he was donated, he had this beautiful barn building that they rebuilt into a church. And they had a camp. You know, they, they, they people gathered there. Christians gathered there. And I can remember going down there and enjoying some worship time there, seeing how the ministry operated and what a change it made in my life to open my eyes to the possibilities, especially for radio. Remember, I was I was getting into radio at that time. I mean, that was my goal. Didn't know where the journey would take me. Never expected to be in engineering like I was for years. But then again, I look back over the years, I may not be wealthy, may sometimes have to, you know, count the nickels and dimes so we can get by. But I'm content in doing what God has called me to do. I was never called to be a pastor of a church of 10,000 people or 5,000 people. My churches were always grew to about 100-something, maybe 50-something and a new mission. But I've always wanted to use the media to extend the reach. That's one of the things I really believe in. But we have these contemporary churches now where the music has taken over, where the sensuality has taken over, where the egos have taken over, where worshiping God in spirit and in truth is not as important as worshiping what I want in my feelings. There are songs that are being sung in some of these contemporary churches that are out and out blasphemy. 
And then he gets some pastor in his tight blue jeans that looks like a metrosexual. And there's just something that is unseemly about it. And people are feeling, I mean, look, I've, I've said this a hundred times in this show, and I'll say it again, and I'll keep saying it. There are people that I've talked to them, they'll go, I went to churches, one of these contemporary churches, and I, I just got nothing out of it. I don't even know why I even want to go back. I just went there, and it was just awful. I got nothing out of it. Well, what'd you put into it? Well, what do you mean, what did I put into it? I go there to be entertained. I go to be, I want to feel good about myself. I want to have music about me and a, and a message about encouraging me in, in my world. There is a Missouri Synod Lutheran pastor. And I have an affinity to Missouri Synod and, and a few other Synod groups. There are some Bible-based solid Lutherans out there. ELCA tends not to be in that group these days. They have too many little pastorettes and weirdness. But for the most part, many of the Missouri churches are pretty solid. And this guy runs a website called Lutheran Satire. It's worth your time. And anytime I think about the contemporary Christian stuff that goes on, there is one, he puts together these like cartoon videos that are that are really funny to watch. And he can do some good voice impersonations. And you don't even need the video on this one to get the full sense of the comedy. And in the comedy, what a message there is. This particular one is Clint Eastwood, you know, the movie star, go ahead, make my day. Clint Eastwood reading contemporary praise song lyrics okay clint eastwood reading contemporary praise song lyrics listen carefully okay where do you want me to stand right in front of the mic is good and you guys just want me to read some hymns oh these are better than hymns way more inspiring and relevant Oh, I feel like dancing. It's foolishness, I know. But when the world has seen the light, they will dance with joy like we're dancing now. Yeah. This is a religious song? Yeah. About God? Yes. The Bible God? That's the one. Ugh. In the secret, in the quiet hour, I wait only for you, because I want to know you more. I want to touch you. I want to see your face. So you're telling me that people sing this stuff in church? Yeah. Men sing this in church. Well, usually just the guy in the praise band sings it. Everyone else just puts their hands up in the air and sways to the soothing soft rock rhythm like they're at a Phil Collins show in 1986. Well, that sounds about right. Freedom, 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 freedom. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours and you are mine. You sure I got the right words here? Because this doesn't much sound like church music to me. What does it sound like? Like what would happen if my six-year-old granddaughter married a Care Bear and they wrote their own wedding vows. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes. This is worse than the script for Pink Cadillac. All right, next song. Ugh. 
What's the matter, Clint? Well, I guess I'm just a bit confused. This Christian music doesn't really talk about grace or forgiveness in any meaningful way. In fact, a lot of it doesn't even mention Christ by name. Right, so what's the problem? Well, since Paul says in Colossians 3.16 that the purpose of sacred music is to teach people who Jesus is and what he's done for us, you'd think that people who write sacred music today might at least want to name drop the Son of God into one of their little ditties. (laughs) Yeah, you'd think that, but no. I will call upon your name. And by call upon your name, I mean never actually say your name in this song. When oceans rise, I'm gonna sing the theme from back to the future because it's pretty much the same chord progression. Dude, why are you making fun of all our songs? Well, maybe it's because I don't much care for it when Christians toss their greatest musical treasures in the garbage in order to sing a bunch of Josh Groban knockoff barely religious cheeseball ballads for soccer moms. What, you know something better? Well, how about this? Now I will cling forever to Christ my Savior true. My Lord will leave me never, whatever he passes through. He rends death's iron chain. He breaks through sin and pain. He shatters hell's dark thrall. I follow him through all. Dude, that was awesome. Can we record that with the band? Are they any good? Oh, we've got the best praise band in the state. These guys can play anything. All right, let them know the song has three sharps and seven chords. Yeah, okay, well, never mind then, Mozart. Now, I think that video you just heard the audio of speaks volumes. And it does point out some of the dangers in some of the music that's out there. Not all of it. I don't paint with a broad brush. Some people do, but I don't. I take any hymn, any song on its merits. Just because it's old doesn't mean it's good. There are some out there that were written hundreds of years ago that theologically are a little bit questionable. What I worry about today, and and I, I was thinking about this the other day, you know, after my surgery next week, and some time of recuperation, because believe me, this these past several months have been uneasy. I mean, really for a year, things were, were, were beginning to develop. I don't get a full night's sleep. I don't get a lot of stuff that I need. And I, I worry a lot about this program. I know I shouldn't worry. I understand that. But I, I want to make sure that it's done. It's complete. And I want to see it minister and grow. And there are times that I'm frustrated. What what am I missing? What should I be doing? And and I realize that the church, and I use that in a broad sense, not in a specific denominational sense, is in serious trouble. Now, the ones that are apostate, that are preaching false and phony gospels, I don't care about. The little church that used to be a big church 40 years ago 50 years ago and now about 80 percent of the people are gone and they're just kind of you know going through the motions talking about social justice warrior things if they were to close down tomorrow my heart would not be broken i would only be sad to see a building that was once dedicated for the purpose of proclaiming the gospel is shutting down. That, to me, would be a problem. 
It really would. So I look, I, I look around me, and and I'm gonna I, I debate what is the future of the church as we know it, and, and I don't see it being in the big mega church, and and there's a reason I say that. You may go to one, but I think they're too easily compromised because of their mere size and the fact that you put somebody on a pedestal under a spotlight to use large audiences and sometimes to multi campuses. I can think of a church that started in South Carolina on the campus of a Baptist college university. It started out, humbly enough, with a handful of students and a dormitory advisor who was also a graduate of that school in theology having Bible studies on a regular basis And the Bible study grew from, you know, like a half a dozen to about a dozen to about 20 over time. And they started, you know, getting into some music. And then they asked the college, could they use a room to actually have church on Sunday? And of course, you know, the college agreed. There was nothing wrong with the idea. And it didn't take long for that that dormitory Bible study to become a a somewhat contemporary church and they outgrew the one meeting room they could use and they ended up growing into the auditorium on the campus. They gave it a name and all of a sudden with some help of some money from the outside, people from the outside started to attend and before you know it, the auditorium was full and then they had to raise the money to build this monstrous building a few miles away from the campus, and it became a church with thousands of people on a Sunday morning. It takes like five or six sheriff's deputies to control the traffic on a four-lane highway to get people in and out. Or at least it did. And the guy that led the church, he was a very persuasive preacher, and I had heard him before, but I noticed something in the in the few times that I, because I was in the area, I did attend there, not as a regular member, but I visited there because of friends and of people that I knew. The light show was phenomenal. The theater presentation, extraordinary. The praise band, professional. If you're into a rock concert, boy, this was the place to go. But even there, I was beginning to feel they were being co-opted by the world and the marketed music and the marketed theology that doesn't want to make people offended. You know, the feel-good theology, make me feel good about myself today, and they keep coming back for more. And you you do all the Christian things by rote, like, yeah, we get them baptized out there at the river or the big pool, whatever we got going. We do all these things. Might even do communion once or twice a year, you know, pass out the crackers, a little grape juice. But the message, over the years, I heard it, I went there a few times. And the message seemed to be more about me and how I wanted to feel in my life to be a better person, not a changed person in Christ. 
and like so many before him, he fell into sexual immorality and alcoholism and fell deeply off that perch. And this is after they had built multi-satellite connected campuses all over the state, had private aircraft to get their people from one end of the state to the other. It all crashed. Because the emphasis was, was on the feelings and wants and desires of man and not what does God want for you. Look, there's a small church building not far from where we live. Maybe I can build a congregation of 20 people. Maybe I can have a camera or microphones in there to, to put together material to send out around the world and on radio. I'm thinking about that as a real strong possibility. Because, see, the church in the future is not going to be, it's going to, there are going to be too many failing churches, another pandemic, uh, woke churches that are dying out, people that sit home, that think that Home Depot and Walmart are the Sunday morning excursion. The America of 50 years ago is not the America of today, and we're being forced to accept sin as norm in our society. We're told to accept it, embrace it, love it. Don't condemn it. Do not speak against it. And so the church will be under persecution, period. The day is going to come, I believe, that be a lot of small home churches out there. Just a handful of people. And little hub and spokes that'll feed them what they need the leadership, the organization, the help, the camaraderie, additional prayer warriors. That's the day we're coming to. I really believe it. And I'll probably talk about that more next week. For now, if you believe in the work that we're doing here at Truth to Ponder, I need to hear from you as we get into this new year, new month. Would you consider making a check payable to Ancient Word Radio? Ancient Word Radio. And the mailing address is Post Office Box 510. That's Post Office Box 510. 510. The city is Chilhowee, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia. And the zip code, by the way, in Chilhowee is 24319. That's 24319. I'll give you that address again, so get a pen and paper if you need it. You can also support us from the website, which is Truth the number two ponder.com truth the number two ponder.com we use a christian organization give send go so you can use that if it's more convenient otherwise post office box 510 chill howie virginia 24319 this has been truth to ponder with bob beerman to find out more visit our website truth the number two and the word ponder.com That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.